Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. Do me a favor, subscribe, like, rate, and review. We always want your feedback to help make this podcast better in future shows. Uncle Bill, this one's for you. From the studios of 97.1 The Sports Animal on the 55th floor of CityFlex Towers in Tulsa, Oklahoma, it is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G. If you don't know who I am, please allow me to introduce myself. I am the co-host of the Pat Jones Show on 97.1 The Sports Animal. We can be heard weekdays. From 11 to 2 Central Time, if you're in Green Country, that'll be on 97.1, 96.1. If you're in Caney, Kansas, that's 101.1. And if you miss the show for any reason, it's always podcast on sportsanimalradio.com. And you can listen on our app as well. And as I always say, if you want to listen for me, that's fine. I appreciate that. But the show was called The Pat Jones Show for a reason. We've got former Oklahoma State head coach Pat Jones on, and this week he's especially great when talking about the NFL draft. So uh, do me a favor, listen to that after you listen to this podcast or listen to both, and um, I would be extremely grateful for that. All right, coming up on this show, um, by now you've probably listened to about 100 podcasts that have broken down either the Sooners or the Pokes spring games. And and I will give you my thoughts on both spring games coming up here in the first segment, but we're not going to spend the entire show on that. We'll talk about the future of college football. If you haven't seen what Texas A&M is doing with their facilities, that is a major issue we've got to discuss. Also, Amazon is going to offer $100 million to the NFL to have a game on Black Friday. They want to they want to broadcast a game on on amazon.com or amazon prime on Black Friday. Well, we'll talk about that and its effect on college football. We'll get into the Baker Mayfield statue or more just Baker Mayfield coming back. We'll hear from him, we'll hear from Brent Venables, and we'll talk about the transfer portal, Cody Jackson leaving Oklahoma and why that's so alarming to me and what we need to be on the lookout for here in the next couple of weeks for both the Sooners and the Cowboys when it comes to the transfer portal. As we jump into it, as I said, the spring game is going to become first and foremost, or at least that's going to get all the headlines right now. And since I went down to Norman on Saturday, we'll concentrate on them a little bit more. Wish I'd had an opportunity to see the Oklahoma State spring game because there were some storylines that intrigued me That being said, I still have some thoughts on Oklahoma State, and we'll talk about some of the key areas for the Pokes coming up here in just a second. But first and foremost, all right, Dylan Gabriel. That is the big big thing that everybody wants to know about. How did Dylan Gabriel perform on Saturday? And if you listen to any podcast and they're being 100% honest with you about Dylan Gabriel, they'll tell you this. He was good. Dylan Gabriel's good with with Dylan Gabriel. Oh, you can win a lot of football games, but he wasn't great, not by any stretch of the imagination. The best thing that Dylan Gabriel does as a quarterback, and this reminds me of Baker Mayfield a little bit, is that he throws on the run, and he's able to avoid contact. And there were more than a few times throughout the game 
where guys were able to get off their blocks, get into the backfield, and force Dylan Gabriel to throw while he was trying to get out of trouble. And he looked fabulous doing it. Now, the ball does not explode out of his hands. It doesn't mean that he's got a bad throwing motion. It's a quick throwing motion. He's not a long wind-up guy. You never saw one Dylan Gabriel have that long release. And when you think about that long release, the most obvious example of that is going to be Tim Tebow, not Dylan Gabriel. The ball gets out of his hand pretty quick. And he's got good arm strength, but you're not going to confuse him with a guy. I mean, Aaron, you're not going to confuse him with a guy like Aaron Rodgers. You're not going to confuse him with Caleb Williams, that 33-yard touchdown pass that he had to uh, Marvin Mims. Give Marvin a lot of credit for making some spectacular plays and getting open on that. All that being said, if you think that I'm knocking Dylan Gabriel on this, I'm not. Not knocking him at all. In fact, I think he's going to be fantastic for Jeff Levy's offense, and his plan is most likely to be one and done, do what he can to get in the NFL. I'm not sure. If I just go by what I saw on Saturday, one year is probably not going to be enough for him to jump into the NFL draft and then all of a sudden someone just take a chance on him, at least not day one. Maybe not even day two right now. So, I look, it's so hard to look into the future And it's really hard to know what college kids are thinking right now. But if I were to give advice to Dylan Gabriel, if I were to play agent, I would say plan on staying two years at Oklahoma. And that certainly would help OU to have an experienced quarterback coming back next season as well as play this season and acclimate to things that are going on there offensively. The biggest area of concern that I saw for both teams, for both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, comes at running back. And it's a little bothersome to me because you've got tradition, tradition rich OU and OSU where we have seen some of the greatest backs to have ever played college football at bowl schools. Arguably the greatest running back to have ever played at bowl schools was Barry Sanders. You've got Thurman Thomas, who is a Hall of Famer. Adrian Peterson is going to be a Hall of Famer. Billy Sims, Joe Washington, Kenny King, Elvis Peacock, Greg Pruitt, um, Steve Owens, Billy. Okay, you get it. Everybody can name their OU running backs or everybody can name their OSU running backs. And look, I didn't see Ollie Gordon on Saturday. We know he got hurt. I have heard very good things about his work ethic and what kind of runner he's going to be for Oklahoma State. And as far as OU goes, I get it. Everybody wants to jump on that Javante Barnes bandwagon. In fact, I get a message from a guy on Twitter who's like, well, so-and-so said this, and this podcast said this, and you know that room, that running back room is better than last year's. Okay, maybe. Uh, we know Eric Gray does not have blazing speed. He's a good running back. Good, not great. Good running back. Would have loved to have seen uh, Marcus Major play. And Marcus Major playing for OU is going to help out Dylan Gabriel immensely. I mean, obviously, the better the running game is, Dylan Gabriel is going to be. Javante Barnes. A lot of people are talking about, well, you know, this pie again, I'm trying not to name names. Well, these two guys, both of them who work for the OU Network, say he's got tremendous upside. Well, what do you expect them to say? And I'm not ripping on them or him, but when you work for the OU Network, you're going to say that. Even if you've been out to practice and seen things, 
that make you think, ah, he's he isn't as good as I think he can be. No, you look. We're living off the word of the coaches. We're living off word of people who get the opportunity to go back to practice. And the best way to judge anybody is is simply this this credo: seeing is believing. And what I saw from Javante Barnes, he looks good. Is he great? That remains to be seen. Gavin Sawchuk, he comes in with a lot of hype. I'm a guy that puts the pumps the brakes on on recruiting services, pumps the brakes on guys with a whole bunch of stars before their names because there are enough bodies out there in college football, enough people that we have seen and heard about who are supposed to be the next great thing and then don't turn out to be the next great thing. But it's just interesting to me that with as good as OU and OSU are a running back, you don't have that guy. You don't have another Joe Mixon or a Samaj P. Ryan. Not even sure that Oklahoma State has a Chuba Hubbard on campus. Although that's probably not that bad. Because the last year that Chuba was in Stillwater, he he underperformed. All these guys are good enough to win you some ball games, but if there's any area of any area that both need to improve on, especially in recruiting, it has to be running backs. Let's get back to the quarterback. Let's get back to um OU and Dylan Gabriel real quick. Um Dylan Gabriel. Played for both sides, and here is Dylan talking about how both he and Jeff Levy discussed how many reps he would get throughout the spring game. Yeah, I think uh, just the whole experience of playing for both teams, man, it's um, it was different for me, but it was a great experience. And I think, um, yeah, just bouncing back from a turnover and, and learning from it is the biggest thing. Um, things will happen throughout a game, but learning from them is the, is the key thing. Um, so... Yeah, just just a big learning thing, and any way we can bounce back is, is really good. I'm not gonna. This isn't really joking uh, about the win uh, because it's Oklahoma. Yep. It's not always like that. Yep. But do you think that that you will need to work a lot uh, in the wind and in, in throwing? In I think it, it was something I was very you know aware of once I got here. Yeah. The first time we threw outside, um, the wind is 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 different, but you know it's not an excuse. Something you got to just continue to learn and, and grow from and you know find different ways to make it happen. So forgot to mention OU had seventy five thousand show up to the spring game, which was just beyond mind blowing. I, I gravely underestimated. Thought if they got forty five, that would be beyond fantastic considering the fact that it's Brent Venables first year. But no, you you packed him in. You did exactly what he wanted. OSU not bad either. Eight thousand and for Oklahoma State you had softball and baseball going on, so it was just it was a bigger day there. I'd say a bigger day sports wise at Oklahoma State. OU had softball with Iowa State in town, but obviously the main attraction was that spring game. Now a lot of people cleared out at halftime at OU, uh, which was to be expected. You were waiting for the Baker Mayfield Trophy, and you wanted to see Dylan Gabriel. And then after that, Micah Bowens and the other backup quarterbacks didn't excite you as much. So what? Uh, you still showed up 75,000. Those are A-day numbers. Give yourself a pat on the back because that's the kind of mentality you're going to have to have going forward as a fan base if you truly want the Oklahoma program to be able to compete in the SEC. So we mentioned the backup quarterbacks, um, Micah Bowens, you know, Evers. You know, Evers is a guy that – Matt Evers is a guy I wanted to talk about because I really wanted to give you some kind of report on him. Like I really wanted to tell you, this is what I thought of Matt Evers, and this is what OU was going to have to do 
to make sure that this kid stays healthy or how great he could lead OU in the OU coming up in the next year and the year after that. Problem is, he never had a single second to throw. It seemed like every time he went back to pass, he was always he always had somebody camped out in the backfield. There was always somebody ready to hit him. And that's not a good sign. Now, part of that is you could be using different offensive lines for for OU, and that was one of the reasons why he never really had the opportunity to show what he could do. OU at this point, and from everything that I'm hearing about Evers, he's raw. He still needs work. The Sooners are going to delve into the transfer portal in order to sure up that backup quarterback position and in fact talking more about that in the play of Dylan Gabriel here is Brent Venables you know uh, again been really pleased again from beginning to end with Dylan and uh, you know where he is and he's probably his own worst critic Uh, and coach Levy probably would be too but I'm looking at just the entire body and his leadership and his consistency and uh, he's, he's done a great job all spring feel great about him and uh, we're still developing, you know, behind them. You know, we don't have quote-unquote answers right now. Um, the portal is def- a definite option for us. And um, so we want to get, if, if we go that route, you're finding somebody that's the right fit, right age. There's just a lot that goes into that. Uh, not to the, I need to get into all the, those weeds, but it's a, that is a definite concern for us. No question about it. As far as Oklahoma State goes, Garrett Rangel, and Gunnar Gundy are still battling for that backup spot. And since Garrett Rangel is a true freshman, I would think when Spencer Sanders sits down and it's garbage time, Gunnar Gundy is the guy that's going to go out there and quarterback them. And again, for Oklahoma State, you're lacking offensive linemen, but you're going to have more depth come the fall. So you get a much better chance for Mike Gundy and the rest of that staff to really judge what these quarterbacks are going to be like when they're playing uh, with their own offensive line, or how many times you send them out there with the ones. Um, one other thing that is definitely worth talking about when it comes to these spring games, and certainly one of the highlights, is the receiving core. Uh, that's where both schools really shine. Again, running backs, not as good. Receiving core, absolutely fabulous. Thought Marvin Mims had a great game for Oklahoma. Really, Oklahoma State, you heard a lot about Talon Shetron. And if I was to sit here and tell you that um, Talon Shetron is going to be great, please know that that is coming with a grain of salt simply because I'm very biased towards the Edmund Santa Fe kids. My son played high school football there. I've seen these guys grow up. But Talon Shetron is a guy who had six catches in this game. He's going to contribute. We know the Presley kids are going to contribute deep. I mean, it's just so deep between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State at receiver. You hope that somehow translates to running back and defensively. All right, this was the big one for OU. Another big one for OU defensively. Uh, Marcus Stripling, you ask me, he's the guy that stole the show. He was all over the place making tackles. Uh, He was in the backfield quite a bit on Saturday. And with OU... Looking at that defense, yeah, it looks more physical. Guys are getting off blocks a lot easier. And the whole idea of speed D, concentrating on turnovers, all that stuff seems to be going out the window. Not that OU doesn't want turnovers, but it is a much more physical defense, at least looking 
than compared to what we've seen in the last few years and much more in line with what OU is going to have to be once they go to the Southeastern Conference. So kudos to Brent Venables, not only for getting 75 in, not only for welcoming Baker Mayfield, but also making that defense look more accustomed to what OU fans want to see. And that can't help but be a good thing as this season gets started. All right, coming up next, have you seen what Texas A&M is doing with their facilities and why that matters to you as a Big 12 fan? We'll get to that next here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. For the second half of the show, there are some things I wanted to cover that you might not be getting out of your typical Oklahoma, Oklahoma State podcast. And I want to go back to these last week, maybe the week after that, when Brent Venables said this. Clemson's just, they're going out and building a brand new first ever NIL facility. They got a brand new football facility five years ago, won a couple national championships, played in four, and they're building a brand new NIL facility and and 100 yards of wellness, you know, an elite recovery, 100 yards of elite recovery. That's cryotherapy, that's infrared beds, that's hyperbaric chambers, that's the massage therapy, all the things that are great. And I I say that because that's very focused on the players. And by players, he means recruits. It's exactly who he's talking about. And Clemson obviously isn't the only one doing this. Texas A&M is spending $200 million to upgrade their facilities. They've got new computer labs. They've got a new indoor facility going up. They've got a brand new, I guess you would call it a complex that's going to be specifically for NIL where you can film your commercials, they'll help you with the social media aspect of it, they'll do everything they can to help a player increase their brand. And to tell you a little story about Saturday, um, if you're not, if you weren't down in Oklahoma, weren't down in the central part of Oklahoma, the weather went Oklahoma, which means at this time of year there were some severe thunderstorms. In fact, there were tornado warnings. I think a tornado was spotted around the Mid-Dell area, Midwest City, Dell City in Oklahoma, in central Oklahoma. Nothing touched down. I know that we didn't have any deaths this go around. But after the game, um, Brent Venables, we waited on him. We went back up. Those of us in the media went back up to the press con- went back up to the press box. And because the weather was severe, Mike Halk, the SID at OU, was nice enough to bring us back down into the red room so we could finish up our work. Well. I had to go to the bathroom and I, in you know, typical my fashion, walked past the restroom, which led me right into the front hall of the Switzer Center. And I didn't stay long because I didn't want to get caught, wasn't trying to do anything nefarious there. But I did, you know, look around. And when you walk in the front of the Switzer Center, the first thing you see are all the Big 12 championship trophies. And there are some cases that have some old helmets, an old roughneck paddle there are bowl trophies that are you know strategically placed but the one thing that really caught my eye and I'll be honest it's useless it's nothing that that's that's very functional at all and I think when you think of an athletic facility you think of function but as useless as it may look to me it's not useless to the recruit and it's not useless to the university there were I think three or four video screens that were just constantly playing OU highlights. It's eye candy. And when a kid comes in, they see that their eyes get drawn to it. And they see the they, they see not just the history, but they see people succeeding. And then they start envisioning themselves there. It's a seed that gets planted. So in fact, it's not useless at all. 
I'm looking at it as, man, that that's overkill, but nah, 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 nah. If that's one thing you can use to get a recruit to come to your school over another, then by all means do it. And OSU's about to spend $41 million on upgrading Boone Pickens. I mean, $200 million for AM. There are states that do not have $200 million in their budget. And here a school is about to spend that strictly on athletic facilities. And what this means to you, the Big 12 fan, is wipe that sweat that's dripping down on your forehead, wipe that off your forehead, say, whew, because as it stands now, if there is a split from the NCAA, it seems to be that the Power Five conferences, and the Big 12 is staying one, will get the opportunity to be one league. Now, you would still play some schools outside that the Power Five in order to write them checks, get them money, but they would play for their own national championship. You as the Big 12 are part of it. Unless Jack Swarbrick from Notre Dame is right, where you're going to see schools keep kind of the tried-and-true academic college football model, and then you're going to see others who essentially license the school name, mascot, and whatever, and just become athletic entities under themselves, which a lot of them already are. And we know which one OU would be. Now, had David Boren still been at OU, there'd have been a fight about which way OU was going to go. But no David Boren, yeah, OU's just going to become one of those athletic entities. And where this is so interesting to me, as we were talking about conference expansion now, which is almost two decades old, you know, for, for the 2000s, when Nebraska split and there, OU and Oklahoma State were going to the Pac-12 and all that, there were those that I worked with that said, nah, nah, you know, this is, this is you know, this will stop, this will freeze, college athletics will get into control. And it's like, no, it's not. That, that divide between the haves and have-nots is just going to continue to grow. No, 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 somebody will figure out how to get it under control because it's unfair. Well, it went from being a Grand Canyon-sized divide between the haves and have-nots to now an Atlantic Ocean divide between the haves and have-nots, or whichever one is bigger because I was never that good at geography. Anyway, um, and this is something we're going to have to watch as fans. Watch how this grows. Watch how schools start to react and how many schools want to continue to play this game of charading as college athletics when, in fact, it's professional athletics. And Swarbrick said he thought Notre Dame would stay the traditional model. BS. Notre Dame's not going to stay the traditional model. Notre Dame, Notre Dame will you know, for sure, go into the money-making model. So keep an eye on that. Also, and I wanted to get to this uh, real quick, Amazon a- Amazon Prime now has the NFL contract. They get Thursday night football, and we all know that Thanksgiving is a big day for the NFL. It's also a huge day for college football, but there are now three NFL games on Thanksgiving Thursday. Well, Amazon is willing to give the NFL $100 million to have a game on Black Friday, the Friday afterwards. You're saying no big deal. I hate this. Hate this for college sports because Black Friday's always been our day. If you didn't play on Thanksgiving, you played on Black Friday or you played on that Saturday and you had great rivalries, But whether it was A&M or Texas or Nebraska, Oklahoma, or Colorado, Nebraska in later years, or Bedlam, or whatever. And the NFL's already taking Christmas Day, which as an NBA fan, that's a shot to the heart. There's going to be three NFL games on Christmas Day. That's the unofficial beginning of the NBA. 
let them have their day. The NFL won't. Well, now they're taking Black Friday from college football as well. And you might say that it's one game, but as we've seen with the NFL, once they get an idea, once they realize they can take control of a day or an event that they haven't had in past and they can steal it away from somebody else, they're going to do it because that is, in fact, what the NFL does. And as a college football fan, I don't want to see this. What I do want to see is more statues go up at Oklahoma State because at OU, you got a lot of them. They just put their latest, Baker Mayfield. By the way, Thurman Thomas, Mike Gundy, Hartley Dykes all deserve statues. Pat Jones deserves a freaking statue. Winning his coach at Oklahoma State history prior to Mike Gundy, give that man his due. That 1984 team seriously could have won the national championship. 83, one of the most solid defenses in the history of college football, and they were nasty. Don't believe me? Go watch the 1983 Nebraska-Oklahoma State game on YouTube and look at how hard those dudes hit. And tell me if guys hit that hard today. Sorry, getting off my soapbox. It was good to see Baker Mayfield back in Norman. And I think for Baker Mayfield, it was just good to be back amongst friends. The process of where I'm at right now of not knowing the next landing spot to be able to come back just potentially a week prior to wherever I'm going to find out. Um, it's pretty cool to come back to where this all started. And it's a good reset, being around family, friends, loved ones, to, uh, you know, just have that, that home base, you know, that you always have somewhere to go back to that you can lean on. It's pretty cool. You've made a career, basically, of being a guy who's back with his back against the wall. That's part of the reason you're so beloved around here. How do you draw on those experiences as you go through what you're going through right now? How would that help you going forward? Um, you know, I, I think, obviously, it, there's a lot of ups and downs. That's just life. Um, everybody at, at the next level and throughout their careers, they, they hit a low point. And it's, it's not about that low point. It's, you know, how you handle it. I said that it's never the actual adversity or the challenge. It's what you do with it. And it's how you set your mind to it. Um, it it's a familiar, obviously, I haven't been in the situation before specifically, but it's familiar territory when it comes to mindset and uh, getting back to the basics and, and realizing what I need to do. And right now I can control getting healthy, working, and uh, Don't bet against Baker Mayfield. There's a lot of people out there that don't want to like this guy. Yes, he's cocky. And he admittedly, Brett Venables said, you know, admittedly he bought into his own hype when he first got into the NFL. Getting essentially released from your team or, or you getting replaced by another quarterback, that'll humble you. Baker Mayfield was definitely humble on Saturday. But this guy has overcome so much in his career. He's one of the best stories in the history of college football. I would not put it past him, whether it's next year or the year after that, to not only have a starting job, but to be better than he was in Cleveland, provided that he stays healthy. And it's just a matter of finding that right team, whether it's the Seahawks, the Pittsburgh Steelers, whoever. Could be the Carolina Panthers, could be the Detroit Lions. But Baker Mayfield is a guy worth rooting for. And even if you don't necessarily like everything that he has done, I don't know how you could have heard him on Saturday in his, in his post-game press conference and not got the sense that this guy is something much bigger than what he has been in the past. So, Baker, hats off to you. And that's going to wrap it up today. Again, we dedicate this show to my uh, Uncle Bill. Um, Uncle Bill was a huge OU fan Uh, One of the kindest men you've ever met. And if there is a heaven, 
this dude certainly got there. So, Uncle Bill, thank you for all the life. The, the, the life lessons you imparted on me before you left, and I know that you weren't exactly happy about getting old, but getting older always makes us wiser, and you were definitely that. Um, remember, subscribe, like, rate, review. I would appreciate any feedback on this. And may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote Diamond David Lee Roth, stay frosty.